To bring up 100 in cricket, the crowd stands and applauds. Kicking 100 goals in a season in football results in the crowd piling onto the arena. For Caulfield Grammarians, the year 2020 brings up the 100th year of the football club in their current existence, marking their centennial year with a return to A grade after a dominant premiership performance in 2019. The seeds were planted in 1899 to provide a service to the old boys of Caulfield Grammar before officially entering the competition in 1920. 1925 saw the club claim their first premiership in B section. It would take 50 years and back-to-back heartbreak through the 60s before they broke through for the most memorable of A-grade flags in 1970 by two points over Coburg. This remains their one and only A-section pennant. For 100 years, they've experienced it all. Champion players, goal-kicking centurions, heartbreaking grand final losses, amazing premiership victories and memories that will last lifetimes for those lucky enough to call this great club their very own. Hello everyone and welcome. This is the Club in Focus podcast. My name's Joe Pignataro and uh, we are talking all things the Caulfield Grammarians Footy Club in this very special edition. It's all thanks to Mequacare. They've been a proud partner of the Ammos. They're a not-for-profit organisation, have been around since 1959. And uh, to help me take a look at the Caulfield Grammarians in a bit more depth is the voice, the face, the best-looking man in the Ammos, so he tells me, Mr. Nick Armistead, uh, still on Zoom from his Richmond apartment, his penthouse out there. Hello, Nico. Hello, Joey Exotic. How are we, sir? I'm very, very <laughs> excited about today's episode. We've got some real stalwarts of Caulfield Grammarians and the BAFA as well. So there's quite a bit of crossover between some of the guests that we're talking to today. But as you said in your intro, they've been around since 1920, Joey, which is, as you said, the equal second oldest in the VAFA alongside old Melburnians. And I just wanted to shine a light on how old this actually is. Clearly, it's a centenary year, so there are 100 this year. But back in 1920, Joey, it was the same year that quite a few other organisations were established. Right. So just to give you an idea as to how old Caulfield Grammarians are and the fact that they've been going for 100 years and how amazing it is, Epworth Healthcare was established in 1920. And I say that one because they're clearly a proud partner of the VAFA. Yes. The old Princess Highway was built in 1920. So that beautiful stretch of road between Terralgan and Berwick that all Gippslanders take when they want to get to Melbourne. (laughs) The Communist Party of Australia was established in 1920. The Sydney Airport and... The Ski Club of Australia, which played a pivotal role in the history of skiing, which I'm sure a lot of Caulfield grammarians have done over the years. But this is the one that really stands out to me. Qantas, the third oldest airline in in the world, sorry, the oldest in Australia, the third oldest in the world, was established in the same year as the Caulfield grammarians, which is just amazing. So there you go. They are some big landmarks, some big monuments some big corporations around Victoria. That is a phenomenal effort. 
as you mentioned, they did join with Old Melburnians and uh, Collegians and Elston Week are two other clubs that were there had already started at the same time, still around. They they joined with Nico. Not sure this is a real powerful grunt name for a footy club. The Melbourne Swimming Club, like fancy playing football against the Melbourne Swimming Club, or the <laughs> Teachers College. Like hardly, you know, send shivers down your spine playing up against the Teachers College. And I mentioned well, the Teachers College. Was who they played, wasn't it? I think in the 1925 grand final when they won. Correct. Their first ever premiership was in 1925. It was in B section at the time. I think it was called the MAFA at the time. Split the sections, one in A, one in B, and, and they won in B grade. What's fascinating about that for 1925 is a man that Caulfield, I'm sure, are very proud of. Eric Dakin or Eric Dakin, depending on how you pronounce the surname. He kicked 123 goals for the year. History made, Nico. The first player in any competition of football to kick 100 goals in a season. The first AFL or VFL player to do so was Gordon Coventry in 1929. So how about that for a little piece of history, if you don't mind, Nico? Eric Dakin, that is massive news. Now, having like seen that and looked back through, that was a super successful year on many accounts for Caulfield. Obviously, with Dakes up forward, just dominating Dakes, and yes. <laughs> winning, winning their first senior flag but part of that was the fact that over the years there have been a few clubs I suppose that have had the name Caulfield um, clearly we've had the grammarians who have been there since 1920 but there was another little club called Caulfield as well and I just wonder about the rivalry back in the day um, and whether you know what happened between the two clubs and the fact that this other Caulfield team is no longer around I can tell you why Joseph because in 19... 19- 25, and maybe a little bit of a conspiracy behind this, was the year that this Caulfield club were expelled from the MAFA or the VAFA following a special meeting of the association at Wesley College. Now, the particular case dealt with was that the old Caulfield Grammarians Club had complained about the conduct of the barrackers and the club officials at the match played on the Caulfield Grammar School on August 8th between themselves and this other Caulfield team. Added to which was a complaint from Mr. W.M. Buntine, who was a headmaster of Caulfield Grammar School at the time, who said that unless such incidents were stopped, the school ground would not be available for association matches. Now, after dealing with the evidence, the association decided that the only definite points which were proved were that a Caulfield supporter read onto the playing area with the intention of hitting the old Caulfield Grammarians captain, I.H. Howe, and that he did, in fact, strike him after the match. Also, the conduct and language of the barrackers in support of the other Caulfield team was objectionable, which kind of just sounds like a Saturday afternoon at the snake pit, if you ask me. But, They've taken all of this into account in 1925 and they've ended up expelling on the spot immediately this other Caulfield team. And then the grammarians have just gone on and claimed the flag. Now, interesting to me, looking back through this as well, was that this other Caulfield team were gone for about 20, nearly 20, 30 years. And they came back in 1952 and they only lasted till 1953. And that was the last time that they played. And guess what 1953 was? Oh, Another Caulfield Grammarians flag. <laughs> so I don't know. There's some sort of conspiracy there, Joey, that every time that another Caulfield team comes up against him, against them, 
the grammarians, they win a flag and this other Caulfield team just cease to exist thereafter. <laughs> so what you're telling me is Caulfield decided to boot out the other Caulfield. Now, Nico, we've done about seven or eight of these Club in Focus podcasts. You open up every week with a theme, I'm starting <laughs> to find out. The clubs that we focus on either get themselves booted out and expelled and then come back, or they're having hands in booting out other clubs from the Amos competition. Now, are there our clubs in focus in the Amos? Are they just jealous? What goes on at our footy clubs? Fair dinkum. You wouldn't read about that stuff today, though. Well, I, that's exactly right. <laughs> I think it's just a good way of showcasing how far our clubs have come and how far the competitions come, but particularly grammarians because they weren't actually, corporate grammarians weren't actually in the wrong. So it's just interesting to me that some other Caulfield teams have come up against them in the past and this, grammar, this powerful grammarians unit has got rid of them in more ways than one. Well, I'm looking forward to delving into that. We're very shortly going to chat to... Not only the Caulfield historian, but he's an Amos historian and his resume is extraordinary. Jeff Riley, people will know him from over the years, obviously meeting him at games, Amos games, but also reading the old retrospective that was in the record. And now it's available on vaffa.com.au for people to check out. So he's going to join us. Uh, the current president, Peter Small, will have a chat to him. Julian DeBosch, Nico, who came in about round four or five last year, took out the goal kicking in the B section uh, competition and part of the 2019 uh, flag that Caulfield won that saw them come back up to A grade. Uh, Irene Maliaris is going to join us. She was a member of the 2019 women's flag, also won the best and fairest, and she was runner-up in the Premier B competition last year for the girls. And then we're going to also check in, Nico, with a man who you know very well, who a lot of Amos people will know very well because he's the president of the VAFA. He's a legend of Caulfield Grammarians in George Voyage. So they're all going to join us very shortly. Looking forward to delving into all of that. One thing I am looking forward to more than anything is to go back to 1970, Nico, their 50th anniversary. This year, have we got footy maybe later on? Potentially, they'll be celebrating their 100th year, but halfway to the 100, they were in A grade and they came from the clouds to claim their one and only a-grade premiership. They finished third on the table, Nick. I've got the ladder in front of me. Someone's done some magnificent data at the Caulfield Club website. You can check out every year, every game, every result. It's there. It's kind of like name a game. Uh, they finished third, Nico. Coburg finished on top, 16 wins, two losses. Ormond finished second, 15 wins and three losses. And then Caulfield rolled into third. Melbourne high in fourth. Throughout the home and away season, Caulfield did not beat either Coburg or Ormond. The way the fixture went, they opened the season with Coburg and lost, and then they played round two against Ormond and lost, and then later in the year, round 10, they got beaten to Coburg in a shootout, and then the following week also lost to Ormond. Now, they roll into the finals in third, and as you know and everyone knows, third versus fourth, it's a knockout-type agenda. So they come up against Melbourne High. They beat them by 37 points. They walk into the prelim against Ormond. They hang on. In fact, they don't just hang on, Nico. They come from behind. They're trailing by 24 points at three-quarter time. They beat Ormond by four behinds, 14-20-104 to 14-16-100. So they walk into the grand final in 1970. This is in A section out at Elstonwick Park. They take on Coburg at three-quarter time. They're already backslapping, 12-15-87 to Coburg, 7-6-48. I mean, you might as well put it in the bag, don't you? When you're that far in front of the grand final day, uh, somehow they put the foot off the accelerator. Coburg stormed back at them 
but they <laughs> just held on by a bee's diaphragm. 14, 18, 102 to Coburg, 15, 10, 100. They have claimed the premiership. Can you believe that, Nico? Or that they... is one of the most unlikely premierships, irrespective of the fact that it was in A grade, the hardest <laughs> premiership in the Amos. But that is the um, most unlikely run, having like having not beaten either side of the top two, two sides throughout the year. That is just simply amazing. Can you believe that? So that's their one and only A-grade flag. The other thing I'm interested in, and I'm going to ask you what you're interested in learning in just a moment. I do remember in 2011, St. Bernard's and Caulfield were in the same division and Caulfield beat St. Bernard's in the Premier B Grand Final. And then they came up the following year and Caulfield had the year from hell. They went 0-18 and 18 and went straight back down to B-grade. Now, we talked a lot last year about potentially winning the B-grade flag and then coming up to A-grade. It'll be their first crack at it since then. So I'm interested to find out with the Prez and with Julian DeBosch how they're going to approach this year or when footy does return, say, in 2021, if that's the case, how they're going to go about A-grade and will they reflect on what happened uh, eight or nine years ago back in 2011-2012? Oh, you would hope. You would hope not. You would hope not. They're not thinking about 2012 too much. Um, but they're in a very, very good spot going forward at the moment. They've got some real class that have come into the team and back into the team over the past few years. I suppose from my point of view, you did mention we're talking to Jeffrey Riley, absolute superstar, OAM, mind you. And I just want to talk about when he got to the club in 1997, he was there as senior coach. Um, he got there under the pretense that there might be an under-19s team, which unfortunately didn't come to fruition that year. But in 1998, the second year he was coach, they won the E-section flag, which meant that they became just the second team in history to win senior flags in the top five sections. And really, in a lot of ways, that 1998 flag was the resurgence of the club after a lean few years. So I really want to delve into that with Jeffrey. All right. Well, enough of our dribble. Let's uh, get into the Club in Focus podcast and club historian, VAFA historian and legend of football across all community circles is Jeff Riley. He's about to join us. Nico, I'm very excited about our first guest on the Club in Focus podcast this week. We're chatting to not only a stalwart of the Caulfield Grammarians Footy Club, but he's a stalwart of the Amos. And during my playing days, as I was growing up, I used to love picking up the footy record on a Thursday night and reading the retrospectives every single week. And and for the last few months, I've read them on vaffer.com.au. The man who wrote them all and has studied the Amos so succinctly for so many years is Jeff Riley, and he joins us now. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Joe. How are you guys? Are you well? We are going very well. Trying to get That's through good. this period as best we can. It uh, is a challenge, but yeah, we're all in it together. That we certainly are. How are you going, Jeff? How we find you in uh, the current climate of everything? Yeah, no, I'm fine. Fine. Got plenty to do. Plenty of uh, work to do at home, and uh, doing a bit of work on the history of my cricket club, Caulfield, and. So that's keeping me busy. <laughs> well, tell us a bit about the history of your football club. And when you came to the club, we were reading uh, through the club website that uh, yeah. it was in the early 90s they had a forced relocation to East Malvern and that's you correct, found them yeah. down in D section. Now, when you got to the club, what are some of the yep. things that you implemented to, to turn the fortunes of the place around? Well, the, it was a, a bit of an eye-opener the first year because in uh, 1997 when I went there um, – 
I applied for the for the job and uh, was uh, appointed. And then they uh, gave me some fairly glowing uh, facts about the club uh, that they were very confident that they could uh, that they were in the rebuilding stage. But by the time we got, by the time we got to pre-season, and I was pretty up and about to have a a good crack early pre-season. I think there was only nine or ten turned up for the first session, which was a bit of a concern. And uh, half of those were not in a very fit state. The other thing that happened was that uh, they had assured me that there was, they had an under-19 team. They would have an under-19 team and uh, they were getting the coaching organised. Well, that never eventuated either. So 97 wasn't really a great year. And as a result, uh, we were relegated. Jeff, I just want to ask you about that. So you were relegated after your first year, but then in 1998, you led Caulfield Grammarians to the E-section flag, which in turn meant you became the second club to win flags in a top five section. There are a few things that took place that year, one of them being acquiring Hawthorne Premiership player Dean Anderson. I just want to ask you about how important his inclusion was to your team. Oh, extremely important as a player and as a leader because he was also appointed captain. He committed himself totally. He was uh, he was just great, and he already had that affinity anyway because he was a, a Caulfield grammar boy um, prior to his uh, league career. So he came in as a player in '98 and and leader and was fantastic and led from the front at all times. And we had built, you know, I'd learned a lot about the club by that stage. And uh, we'd recruited uh, quite well. Um, I'd brought some people with me to uh, to assist in the coaching area. And it, it turned out to be a very good year. What can you tell us about the premiership that year, Jeff, that you can remember? How were the celebrations? Uh, the, the celebration by the boys would have been uh, far more extensive than what mine was. Um, <laughs> I wasn't uh, celebrating quite as much in those days. Um, but, yeah, look, it was a great year for the club and, and it did start the club on the way back because they always had the capacity. There's always been the opportunity for Caulfield, but they just had some pretty dark years and those years of East Malvern, I remember coaching against them when I was at Whitefriars and they were, they were in a terrible state. They had very uh, few helpers off field and had it not been for the great J.A. Wilson, John Wilson and, and his wife, they would have been in diabolical situation at that stage. So it was it was to the great credit of the Wilsons and people like Matt Shelton and Richard Harris and others who really got the club up and running and then we had the success in 98. And then Ando took over and led them to a flag in 2000. Jeff, you mentioned uh, Matt just then and you're talking about 1998. Yep. Your piece that you wrote, The Sleeping Giant, uh, on the Caulfield Grammarians around that time that you first came down to the club and yeah. the lack of yeah. this uh, under-19 thing. But you've written about the Callaway Club. What are you talking yep. about in this piece? The Callaway Club was formed uh, as a support group for football at Caulfield Grammar and it, it had a lot of success. And the school were building their stocks too, uh, football-wise. Barry Rollins was uh, very much involved and is still involved uh, in school football at Caulfield. He was responsible for uh, lifting the standard. They had a really good coach in Greg Meredith at the school. And it all flowed on from there because the benefits that came via the Callaway Club where uh, they would have functions um, 
to enhance the football at Caulfield Grammar and supported by parents and and past players and uh, was very, very, was so beneficial to uh, the whole setup. And you mentioned the influence of John Wilson. Uh, some of the yep. numbers I did on him between 1960 and uh, 1971, he took them to six grand finals for two premierships. I mean, yeah. did you get to know John and the Wilson family through your time at Caulfield? Yes, I did, yeah. Okay. yeah. Liz Wilson was a wonderful woman um, and, and uh, is a VAFA life, life member and passed away a couple of years ago now. And J.A. was an absolute uh, standout. He was a, he coached the amateur combined side uh, as well, uh, the rep side. He, he, he turned the club around um, in terms of their performances after some really dark years um, and was just a, a, a wonderful uh, Wonderful person to be around. Jeff, I just want to ask you, on, on the topic of volunteers and those who go above and beyond for their clubs, I'm just going to go through a couple of awards that you've received over the years. Listen to this, Joey, because I feel like maybe in 50 years, if we could do half of this, <laughs> we'd be in a pretty good spot. So after his playing days, he's become a VAFA Life member. He's a Caulfield Life member, a life member of Ormond Amateur Football Club. He won the 2017 Medal of the Order for Australia. He's a Cricket Australia 50-year service to cricket award, an Australian sports medal recipient and an AFL recognition award. Is there, is there anything you haven't won, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, well, that's very kind of you to mention all those. I've almost forgotten about a few of them. <laughs> um, no, look, it's, uh, I've been very fortunate, particularly in amateur footy. You know, I can go... I first became involved with the Snowbank Bank Footy Club um, uh, way back um, and remember playing against Caulfield even in those days. Then lucky enough to sort of go to Ormond and, and have a really good coaching career there uh, at reserve level and then going back there and coaching the seniors. And My life has revolved around amateur football and around cricket and I suppose if you hang around long enough, guys, you tend to pick up a few awards along the way. You certainly got a nice cabinet full of them, Jeff. I mentioned at the start of our chat that I used to read every Thursday in the record the retrospective. Yep. Did you just yeah. pick it up over the years that you just absorbed all this knowledge and you just wanted to share it, or how did you become the man who knows everything about the Amos? Well, it, it it was commenced by the great Noel Rundle, one of the great benefactors of amateur football. And when uh, Noel, Noel became ill and then and, and passed away, the one thing that I felt that was that, that was really important was to continue the work that he'd done. And he was the one who commenced that, that process of the looking back column, ret- now, now more lately known as retrospective. So I just picked it up when Noel passed away and enjoyed doing it because it was just a matter of uh, being able to research and because I'd been involved in the ammos for such a long time and I you know I umpired for five years in the ammos in between playing and coaching so you you get a real feel for the that's how it all came about so I just started writing the the column that was looking back originally then we changed it to uh, retrospective and I I just enjoyed the hours that you put together by researching going through all the old records I think I've got a I've got the full set of records from uh, because I picked up John Wilson's um, the ones that he'd had in the 1960s, so I've got them going from about the early 60s right through. Now this is a Caulfield 
bias podcast. Is there a Caulfield memory that just sticks out when you go through, or do you try and ease in a few more Caulfield references when you're doing retrospective stuff? <laughs> well, on that on that basis, I'd have to mention uh, white fries as well, and then almost, of course. <laughs> no, I, I look. I really enjoy uh, going through the records and, and having a look, and because you can, rec- you know, it brings things back to. Uh, Things that you might have forgotten about, and um, and I just thought the yeah, the VFA is just such a remarkable sporting body. It's just extraordinary. The size of it, uh, the way it's been managed for such a long period of time, um, you know, there's just so much fantastic history, and we've still got people working behind the scenes like Johnny Bell, um, who's done so much work on on the heritage side of the VFA. So I just do my bit. And and love love doing it and love recollecting about the the great players that I've seen and the coaches and and everybody else and the administrators. Last one from me, Jeff. I just want to ask you. We have touched on what has been an incredible history in the amateurs, particularly at Caulfield. Um, what does the club, the Caulfield Grammarians, I suppose, mean to you and the place it holds in your heart? Well, it meant enough. Uh, for me to stay on after I finished coaching and um, to become involved. In fact, I coached the under-19s for a couple of years after I coached the seniors. I coached the reserves for one year when when they didn't have anybody lined up. And so I've just continued on. And I, um, it's, it's been a terrific club uh, with people, as I mentioned before, like Scott Williams and Matthew Schultz and people like that have just been unbelievably magnificent for the club and so I just do my bit I'm now uh, the uh, interchange steward I hope I've been reappointed this year but that <laughs> what that, that what that does it gives you the best seat in the house and uh, you don't you don't get um, waylaid by having to chat to people all the time you just watch the footy so yeah look uh, Corfield Grimmer is a terrific club it's been great to see them progress through back to A grade you know, they've had plenty of ups and downs over the years, but to think that they have been around for 100 years and it's so disappointing that under the current circumstances that we couldn't celebrate the centenary. Uh, but if it doesn't go ahead this year, and who knows, uh, it would be, uh, it'll be celebrated just as well uh, in 2021. I think that's a beautiful note to finish on, Jeff. We appreciate you giving us some of your time and taking a trip down memory lane talking about the Caulfield Grammarians Footy Club. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, guys. Keep up the good work. Nico, great to hear from Jeff Riley, Baffer historian, Caulfield historian, knows everything about the competition. And what about some of the awards that you rattled off during the chat? Fitting, really, that we're recording this across Queen's Birthday Weekend. He's got an Order of Australia, which, of course, is a Queen's Birthday honour Life member of Ormond, Caulfield, Cricket Australia, 50 years service, Australian Sports Medal recipient, AFL Recognition Award, VAFA Life member, you name it, he's done it. Also, of course, a couple of flags he won at Ormond. Oh, boy. Doesn't get better than that. It doesn't. And just to think that someone who has achieved and served as he has, he's still, it's still ongoing to this day. He still forms an integral part of the Heritage Subcommittee with Johnny Bell, Jeff McCracken, Sue Anderson. Phil Stevens, so he's still intimately involved, and it's people like him. And I know we'll talk to we'll talk to George about um, certain other people who have, uh, I suppose, served their clubs, and that's what makes the backbone of amateur clubs. But he is the epitome of that sort of 
club member. So Jeff Riley joining us on the Club in Focus podcast. Nick, there's still plenty to come. And very shortly, we're going to go through a number of VFL, AFL listed players. But it would be remiss of us on a Caulfield Club podcast to not recognise the work that Tommy Flanagan's putting in on the weekly Caulfield podcast. He's had a host of guests in more recent times. The biggest one is his latest one. It's uh, Chris Judd, who played just a little bit of footy with the Carlton Footy Club, won a flag with the West Coast Eagles, and somehow just won a couple of Brownlow medals as well in 2004 and 2010. So what we're going to do now is just have a listen to a couple of minutes of Chris Judd, his time at Caulfield, and recounting a couple of his favourite stories. 12 goals in the second half against Halebury. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure there are many people that can do that. That's um, a fair effort. That's a fair effort. Was that a good day? That was a good day. You know, I gave off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's probably yeah. a bit better than that. But um, I yeah. love school footy. I mean, school footy is the most fun, you know, particularly yeah. my year 12 year. It's just the most enjoyable football I've ever played. St. Kevin's game involving, uh, there's a bit of a scuffle with a particular player for some, from St. Kevin's and then you went on with some last quarter heroics. Yeah, so I, I, went, um, I went to Ireland in, as an under-16 with the Australian team and we had, that under-16 almost single-handedly killed the uh, Australian-Irish football experiment when um, Relations. there was accusations from some of the Australian players that they were getting their nuts grabbed by some of the Irish <laughs> And at one stage, there was an all-in brawl, but it included the benches running onto the field and getting in the brawl, which was real, just unparalleled stuff. I'd, I'd love to see some footage of it. Anyway, one of the main protagonists from that, the Irish captain, uh, was Nick Walsh, who ended up on Melbourne's rookie list for a while. A really good guy, great Irish uh, Gaelic football player. Anyway... That, that all happened when I was 16. And then in year 12, I, I you know, started the game and, and lo and behold, standing next to me was that same Irish captain. He'd been given a, a scholarship to Evans and that same guy was, was tagging me who he'd sort of punched on with a couple of years earlier. So, um, I mean, the poetic justice from it all was, you know, he did a good job tagging me. It was a close game. And then late in the quarter, I... Um, I went up for a mark and he was running back with the flight and, and I'm, I may have accidentally kicked him square in the nuts. And, uh, <laughs> and it, it, it did nice feel poetic yeah. justice to that whole, uh, that whole event. We won. It was a brilliant game. We, we won the game, you know, by a couple yeah. of points. Yeah, that, you know what? As Greg Meredith touched on, uh, that, that would be my fondest school footy game if I could, uh, if I could remember one too. Yeah, they were interesting sort of narratives at the time. The sort of narrative was that, Sydney had a, a Butler team, but they were just a great team. And West Coast were full of these elite players, but were just a team. And reality is, I don't know if that's entirely true, but, um, you know, both teams had, had great players and, and both teams were really cohesive units and, and wanted to win. Moving forward after those two grannies, obviously a highlight of your career was when you came back to Corfer Grammar School in 2007, I believe. Um, I remember we were all at school when, when, when that happened. I vividly remember just Dean Cox rolling around the Alf Mills, just being the biggest human ever. Like he was just so big. Um, and it was like Jesus coming back to Jerusalem or whatever. Like, how do you, do you, what are your memories of that day? And like, was it weird just kind of strolling around where you used to go to school and be a normal school kid? And then now having just this mass following of students and teachers? It was just, you know, 
people go through in their life. It's just interesting when one bit of your life ends and then another one sort of begins. And now, I mean, I find it strange. Um, you know, I had to do something on the MCG the other day. I was out on the ground and it was just funny. Like, it feels like 30 years ago I was playing AFL footy. The phases of your life, they, they change and a new one opens up. So yeah, it, was, it was different because it was, you know, being back in an old phase in a, in a new context. But um, it was nice that that connection of the school through, through obviously Greg Meredith and, and Barry Rowlings maintained, you know, even post, um, post getting drafted. And do you remember there was a there was a bit going on that day, but we might have some uh, uncovered some old footage. Um, Would have been great to won a flag. We didn't get there, um, but certainly being a part of that club has been hugely special for me, and, and still some some wonderful memories from from playing in those big games at the G. Nick, this is a very exciting chat we are about to have. This man is currently the president of the VAFA, but before he was the pres. He was a stalwart of the Caulfield Grammarians Footy Club dating back to 1970. He played 240 games there. He's currently a life member and twice he took over the reins as the senior coach of the footy club. His name is George Voyage and he joins us on the Club in Focus podcast. Hello, George. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for joining us, George. Uh, Really appreciate your time. I know it's a busy time for you and for everyone at the Ammo, so we do appreciate you giving us a few minutes of your time. Can we go back to the very start? 50 years ago, George, to 1970, Caulfield were halfway through their centenary. They also claimed an A-grade premiership. What was your reasons for getting down to the club? And what are your memories of 1970? Okay, so um, I'd been to the school for my you know, uh, entire secondary um, school and uh, most of the the boys went from school straight down to the old boys football club and uh, in those days it was at Oval 3 at Albert Park and that's where I started in 1970. And what was it like in that year George? I mean this is a club who's by all reports had a pretty good 1960s era making grand finals unfortunately not winning them Uh, a couple of years before 1970 they've played in back-to-back a-grade grand finals against Old Parade. So to taste the ultimate success, do you remember what the vibe was like around the place? Yes, I certainly do. So um, in those days, it was a slightly different period to now where I think most of the alumni clubs, if you're under 19, first year out of school, you played uh, with your under 19 side. And uh, at that time, Caulfield, as you say, were uh, one of the powerhouses of A-grade. And... uh, we had a very uh, lovely under-19 team with with uh, all my school friends uh, playing that. George, I just want to ask you about some of the players during that area that you may have played alongside. We've got the Tootles, we've got Anthony Lester, we've got Burzins who represented the Big B, and Dave Matthews as well. Can you just tell us about some of your memories with some of those great players? Yep. So um, when I was in the under-19s, I was kind of with the senior training squad and they'd pick players from the under-19s to do that. And uh, in that group, we had uh, a player named Steve McLaughlin, who was our captain and um, is a successful surgeon. But uh, during his football time, he was an absolutely outstanding player, a little bit like David Mackay-type personality and player. The club at that time had a whole range of star players. Tony Lester was one, Barry Morfitt another, and Greg Turtle are three that come to mind. 
uh, we had a staff started line up. And George, I just want to go back a couple of years. Um, you gave the toast to the VAFA at the season launch a few years ago, and I was just reading it again recently, and we're having a look, and you basically based it on the volunteers from all the clubs, but particularly the first person who you met when you first went down to Caulfield, a man by the name of Keith Meyer who was cleaning the rooms at Albert Park. Can you tell us about yes. that story, what you're a member of it, and how you delivered the toast? Yep. So um, Keith Meyer was, um, I think all clubs in all sports have got a Keith Meyer, and they're the people that are really the heart and soul of our organisation. So Keith Meyer, I went down there and it was um, pre-season, it was February, and I was the first one to get to training at Albert Park. And up drive this guy, and it was Keith Meyer, who I hadn't met before. And uh, I saw Keith and they introduced ourselves, and he started cleaning the room out because it was the first day after pre-season. And then he went upstairs and he cleaned that all out, and then he brought the footballs out and he pumped them up, and then... We had training, and then afterwards, when I went upstairs, he was, um, he was on the canteen. Uh, by the time we got to practice matches, not only was he doing those uh, jobs, but he was also timekeeping and team managers, all these roles. And, um, yeah, that's stuck in my mind ever since. 240 games, George. And then you went on and you've coached. Twice in 1989 to 1990, and then again in 1995. Can you tell us about the decision to take up the coaching reins post 240 games for the club? I'd finished playing around uh, 88, maybe 87, somewhere around there, and just uh, hung around, did a little bit of umpiring for the reserves and stuff like that. Um, but I had an interest in coaching. I'd practically coached down the 19th in 1976 when I got injured pre-season. I uh, was going to miss a year and the under-19 coach had uh, moved on. So that's where I, I had moved on in his job. So uh, there was a vacancy. I coached them in 1976 and it gave me a little bit of um, experience in that. Now, coaching Caulfield was one half of your story, George, but then you've gone on to become the most successful compromise BB team, C to D4 and B to D4 during the late 90s and the early 2000s, where you've gone on a winning streak of eight games in a row coaching the Big V. Can you tell us about your time coaching the Big V, what it means to you, and I suppose what made you such a successful coach, George? Um, so um, I spoke with Phil Stevens, who was then the CEO, and um, he approached me about perhaps coaching me. Uh, at that stage, it was C to D4. Uh, then in later time, it became B to D4, and then we had a couple of years also of A to D4. And I think the, the success was I was fortunate to have four or five players that were the core right through. Uh, people like Dave Rogers, who um, played and as captain coach, I think, of old Trinity. Uh, Dean Matthews, wonderful character. And, and those boys were the core of, um, of the success, I think. We had a really good team. We had wonderful um, peripheral assistance and um, we had a real club atmosphere about it. Now, amongst those that eight-game winning streak, there were some big wins in there, George, my man. You had a 130-point win against South Australia in 98 and a 129-point win against the EFL in 2004. Yes. Do any of you stand out to you as your favourites? Uh, look, those games were fantastic. The, the game in Adelaide, actually, where we thrashed South Australia, 
was fantastic. We had Tony McGeorge, who um, was a well-known player from St. Beats and Parkdale. He was fabulous. One of the worst things of my entire coaching life was in Adelaide. On that day, where we'd taken over um, 22 players, um, but when we got there, South Australia insisted on only having three on the bench of 21. So I had to um, leave one boy out uh, actually on the morning of the game in Adelaide, which was pretty rough. And uh, so we, we uh, had to make a decision how to do it, and uh, it was a very difficult task. George, can we just talk about your current role for a moment? Uh, what was your reasoning for getting involved with the, the administration side of, of the Amos and away from the club? Was it just because of how much you enjoyed coaching the Big V that you wanted to stay involved? And now, of course, you're, you're the big head honcho, you're the big bopper, you're the prez. What's your reasoning yes. for staying involved, George? Okay, so um, towards the end of my coaching time, Nick Burke, I think, was president of the VAFA and uh, through Bruce Ivey, who was the board member assigned to looking after the rep sides, uh, Nick approached me and asked me if I'd like to join the board, um, which I did do that. And um, so I've been on the board for about 12 years or so. And then I've, uh, in the last year and a half, had the honour of being the president. George, we really appreciate you giving us some of your time this morning and reflecting on your journey through the Caulfield Grammarians and your time as president of the Amos. Uh, hopefully, we do get some footy in 2020 and we're looking forward to it when it does return. Well, we're really looking forward to that. We've got um, quite a few challenges over the next weeks to overcome and uh, protocols to uh, to implement, but hopefully we'll uh, we'll get a season up that will we'll give people a real... Uh, a real uh, thrive in their life. Nico, how good was that to hear from the Prez of the VAFA, Mr. George Voyage? Love hearing the story about Keith Meyer because he's quite right. Every footy club has a Keith Meyer. No doubt about that. Some look scarier than others and you don't really want to approach them, but they've all got big, gentle, giant hearts. Those people, they're absolutely fantastic. Make footy clubs tick, they do. And you know who else makes footy clubs tick, Nico? The champions that come through the doors. Now, Caulfield have got a long list of VFL, AFL grammarians, over 50, in fact, Nico. I'm going to go through those in a moment. But closer to home on the Caulfield doorstep, Chris Worthington. Do you know how many games he's played, Nico? Sits on top as the game's record holder. 403 games. Think Kevin Bartlett, 403. You think Chris Worthington, 403, down at Caulfield grammarians. Uh Top of the tree, though, for senior games only. First 18, the Corville Grammarians on the weekend side, not the school side, but the weekends. Jeez, you'd be hard-pressed if you played this many games for the school side during your six years there. Greg Toodle, <laughs> 273 senior games. Uh, 273, fantastic effort. Andrew Will, second, 256. And more recently, Simon Wajaja. He's on 229. There's a couple of photos on the Caulfield website of Simon Wajaja getting carried off after his 200th game. How good is that name? Wish he was playing today so we could put him in the RSN Carnival Match of the Day broadcast. Simon Wajaja. We've got a few more. We've obviously got Trevor Royals as well. So the best and fairest award at Caulfield is the Tootle Royals Award. Trevor played 216 games and he won a record five best and fairest awards. Anthony Lester, as George referred to, he was a star for them, particularly throughout the 70s. 
He was a 76 B-grade BNF and he won three club BNFs. Robin Harrison back in the 50s was outstanding. Your boy, Eric Dakin, the first ever player to kick the century, is clearly up there. Dave Matthews kicked the century himself in 1983. And we like to touch on some of the more recent stars. Will Edwards obviously being one of those. And Timmy Nixon, who kicked a ball-bursting bomb only a couple of years ago when he was the captain of the B to Div 4 side. Cutting him to pieces. It comes oh. to the captain. Kenny King, a captain's goal to seal the game. It's going. It's going. He's kicked it's it. Gone. He's kicked it. Tim Nixon's kicked an absolute ball-bursting bomb. What a goal that was from Timmy Nixon to sink the Western Australians at Trevor Parker Oval. Hey, uh, let's go back to 1928 for a second and uh, talk about George Cassidy. You know why I'm mentioning him? Because he won the A-grade Best and Fairest Award and he also represented the Melbourne Footy Club. So he wins A-grade in 1928, best player in the competition. He debuts for the Demons in 1929. So straight away, off the rookie list, straight into the Demons. I mentioned those names, Nico, that have played at VFL, AFL level. Here we go. Been on the podcast. We heard him a little bit earlier on. Chris Judd, 279 AFL games. Flag with the West Coast Eagles. Bit of time at the old dark Navy Blues, and I've mentioned this before, Nico. He and I both finished our career tearing our ACLs, so one more celebrated than the other, but uh, still still worthy of noting. Ron Evans, former bomber and AFL president. He headed up the VFL goal kicking in 1959-1960. Taylor Giray, of course, won three flags with the Hawks. Now, I'm going to challenge Tommy Flanagan later on when he joins us to get this man on the Caulfield podcast. He's the 1960 Brownlow medalist, member of the 1954 Bulldog side that won that famous flag, Johnny Schultz. Of course, Johnny Schultz, people might not remember back in the 50s and 60s, but he was the man who handed over the Premiership Cup to the Dogs in 2016. He's a Caulfield man. Uh, More recent times, of course, Brendan Goddard, former number one draft pick. The Callaway boys, Andrew and Duncan, you'll know them well. Of course, Richmond Tigers. You might know this man. He played a few years with the Tigers before going to Sydney. Uh, Stewie Maxfield. Uh, Johnny Rombottis, a great name. Fitzroy, Port Adelaide and the Tigers. He's from Caulfield. Paul Seedsman in recent times. Callan Sinclair in recent times. Andrew Walker, who, of course, took that absolute hang in the pocket at the MCG. And to finish with, He's running around for the Bombers at the moment. In fact, I'll finish with two. Uh, Dylan Shield, of course, superstar, was on the Caulfield podcast recently, and the captain of North Melbourne, Jack Zebel. So how about that list of names that have come through Caulfield, the school, and the old boys' side on the weekends? Fantastic breeding ground for footballers of the future. Simply amazing. And just hearing that Callaway name, very interesting in our research, the Callaway Club being an important part of both the school and the transition to the old boys football club but i was just going through the old boys the grammarians team of the century and it is it is it is action-packed it is <laughs> who's in there it there are some real there are some real stars and we'll go across full back line we had jeff fox campbell cooney and john griffiths and we had nigel bro here cal davidson john long the center line alan chaffee tony lester who we've spoken about a couple of times already and david clark half forward barry morfitt David Williams, Ron Ashbolt, the full forward line, Johnny Butcher, Dave Matthews, and Trevor Royals on the ball. Greg Tootle, Robin Harrison, and Johnny Castner. I just want to tell you a little bit about Tootle. As I mentioned, he's half of the BNF award. But Greg Tootle, back in 1968, do you remember the Galahs, Joseph? 
I know them well, actually, because one man who was on that side played for the Richmond Footy Club has told me about it every opportunity he gets. For those who don't know, the Galars in 1967 was the first time that they were formed with Ron Barassi and Harry Beitzel, a great Vapor man. Um, they were at the helm and they formed this touring party to go over to Ireland and play a bit of Gaelic football. Mm-hmm. And they were called the Galars from the local press. And so that's kind of run on. And former board member Rob Heath actually was part of a, a film that was created a few years ago about the first touring party. But the second touring party was 1968. And there were some names, like you said, Kevin Bartlett, Gary Dempsey, Royce Hart, what a star, Peter Hudson, Alex Jezelinko, Johnny Nichols from Carlton. There were some real stars on this tour, one of them being, though, because they had a bit of a mix with the local football clubs, one of them being Greg Tootle, the Caulfield Grammarians, was on that trip. The Ruckman in their Team of the Century and half of their BNF award was just waxing lyrical with these boys on the Gaelic football fields over in Ireland. So that's absolutely Amazing from Tootle and clearly one of the all-time greats from Caulfield. This is the man who sits top of the senior games, 273, big Gregoire. Of course, also, Nico, uh, just to follow on the Tootle name, 1979, out of their Albert Park Oval, they put the Tootle name above the change rooms, if you don't mind. Now, you mentioned the team of the century. Of course, it is their centenary year this year. One man who, I tell you what, if you were starting a team again, you'd put this man at full forward. His name is Julian DeBosch. He turned up last year in the early part of the season and he just shot the lights out at full forward. He is about to join us on the Club in Focus podcast. Wallace think of Stephen. Stephen short at And big DeBosch takes the mark on the 50. A long range effort required to get this one home. Julian DeBosch looking for Caulfield's 10th of the afternoon. That's not nice. bad. Oh. It's beautiful if you're a Fields fan. DeBosch on the board. We can welcome in a man who, in the early part of last year, came to our attention about round five or six. He joined the Caulfield Grammarians and he put his name in lights basically from the first time he stepped onto the field by kicking a bag of goals. He went on to be a regular in that senior side and part of the uh, Premier B Premiership that will now be playing in A grade when footy does resume. I'm talking about Julian DeBoz and he joins us now. Hello Jules. G'day, thanks a lot for having me. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Take us back 12 months ago Jules. How did you end up at the Caulfield Footy Club? Uh, Well I used to play at Sandringham and I used to live in Caulfield. One of my friends uh, from Sandringham, Jack Wallace, he, uh, he's got affiliation with Caulfield Grammar. He went to school there, and um, they were pretty much his, his good mates down there. And he had to toss up between the Sandringham um, end-of-season players' trip or the Caulfield one, and he decided to go with the Caulfield <laughs> lads. So I knew they were a pretty good bunch down there. And then... When I went and um, played with a few mates from, because um, I'm from Hobart, there, there's a few of my mates who moved over and played down in the GFL. Because it was a bit too far to train there every Tuesday, Thursday. Um, I just, because um, I lived in Caulfield, just trained it uh, with the Caulfield Grammarians. And then, um, yeah, got a few pretty good mates from there. And once my sort of friends all sort of left um, Geelong, um, needed a new club to sort of, closer to home to play with and yeah I went with Caulfield because uh, they had a really good sort of uh, coach and president and all the players were really good and um, yeah I loved training there and then yeah was really excited to, to have my first season there last year. 
Jules, you are a Tassie boy. We've got down here, you played for North Hobart and the Hobart City Demons before coming across and playing for Sandy and for North Shore. So I just, I just want to ask you about your time down in Tassie and I suppose why you made the move over here to the beautiful, best city in Australia. <laughs> yeah, um, well, <laughs> I had a few good years um, down in the State League uh, for Hobart City, North Hobart. I just kept on having a bit of um, a few friends suggested that I should try my luck and have a go at VFL. One of my mates who also played with me down at North Hobart a few years before I moved over, he was playing at Sandringham and um, Paul Hudson was the coach and he's a Tassie guy as well and so I was having a chat with him for a few months and everything sort of lined up. I got a job over here as um, I'm in the accounting field so took the plunge and made a move and haven't really looked back so um, yeah, I've really enjoyed my time here and, um, yeah, I've just loved playing football at all, all the competitions that I've played in over here, which is, um, at the VFL level and, uh, down at GFL and then in the VAFA. The VAFA is a bit of a different one because I haven't never dealt with sort of relegation promotion sort of thing. So the last season was really exciting on that front. Now, Jules, you said you're in the accounting field, which means that you are a numbers man. And just going through your career to date, um, going back to Tassie, um, you obviously won the goal-kicking award after just 10 games in the regular season last year, but it was your highest season tally in front of goal. You've kicked 53 for the season, including final. So what do you put that down to? You, your next best I got was 51 in 17 games for Hobart City. So was it just a case of playing more deep? Was it an easier standard? Are your teammates more talented? What do you put it down to? Yeah, definitely my teammates were very skillful. Um, Will Edwards is one of the best players in the competition and Jack Wallace, Will Osborne, you could name quite a lot of them, to be honest. It was one of the best teams I've I've played with, to be honest. I haven't really played finals very much um, throughout my career, and uh, it was definitely attributed to um, sort of all those guys being able to um, know what my strengths are, and um, there was just really good sort of team morale, well drilled, well coached, and uh, I guess we trained pretty hard, and that sort of showed on the field. And how did you go sharing a forward line with Brendan Goddard throughout the times that he did run out there and play alongside you? Yeah, he was really good. He was um, constructive in in his sort of feedback that he provided and we learned a lot from him. And it's a bit of a great thing to have someone of his calibre to come down and coach and be around the group. Like he he came along to um, training sessions and yeah, really wanted to be a part of it. And I think that was his first premiership he's won as well. So, um, yeah, I think he enjoyed his time down there. And we've got a podcast that's run by Tommy Flanagan, Seb Gotch and Charlie Logan. And he made an appearance on that and gave us some pretty good preview of some of the highlights and lowlights of his career. And um, that's definitely something that's worth watching. Yeah, no, he's been really involved and it's been, yeah, really good to have him down at the club. Jules, talking about those highlights, clearly at the end of last season, as we've already mentioned, your Premier B Premiership would be right up there. You guys defeated Old Scotch by 92 points, which was the second highest ever in Premier B after the 1990 game between 
Old Halebury and Old Melburnians. Can you take us through, I suppose, the game? Um, because you had it, it was it was over pretty early, but also then how you celebrated the first grand final win um, for a lot of those players, like you mentioned yourself and BJ, um, post-game. Grand final was, um, yeah, day I definitely I'll never forget. Um, first one that I've ever played in. Um, personally, it was a bit of a, um emotional sort of day. My grandpa passed away a few days beforehand. Um, so that was something a little bit tough that I had to deal with. And the boys, they wore um, black armbands and the coaches wore black armbands. So um, that's, if you're wondering, if you watch the highlights, why we're wearing those, that was, yeah, because of my grandpa. So that was a really nice gesture. We had a week off and Old Scotch had um, a tough game the week beforehand. And I think we just, yeah, we just ran all over and we found a lot of space playing on um, Elsinore Park, which is um, quite a big ground, a lot bigger than what we're sort of used to playing on uh, throughout the season in the competition. So, um, yeah, we had sort of fresher legs and able to spread the ground really well and um, that showed on the scoreboard. And now that you've had sort of 12 months in the Amos system and knowing your journey through Tasmania and playing with Geelong and Sandringham in, in the VFL, playing down in Geelong, that is, not with the Cats, but is there a different vibe around the Amos circles that you haven't found at other clubs in other competitions? Yeah, there's definitely a different vibe. There's a lot, of, lot more interconnectedness um, at Caulfield, I guess the, the guys sort of went to school together. There'll only be a handful of guys um, at Caulfield who didn't actually go to the school, and me included. I think there's Nathan Page, Jimmy Canty. The guys have made us feel really welcome, but I suppose they have that sort of experience of getting to know each other during school, um, which makes it a bit more of a closer-knit bunch than what you'd find um, so down in Geelong where people sort of came from all different areas, you've got that sort of that real playing with your mates um, vibe, which is, um, I think it really makes, helps us push each other a bit more. And last one before we let you go, Jules, you've played a few games out at the home ground. Do you ever get distracted by what's going on over the other side of the fence behind the goals to one end with those horses running around? <laughs> uh, there are a few guys who might have a few um, tickets on a few running through during the day. Um, maybe that's why Punchy sits up high on the um, in the coaches' box up there. Needs a little bit of an extra ladder out there, but I usually just try and get the ball kicking it, kicking it over over that little um, track. To, no, I don't really keep focus on. <laughs> they don't really distract these horses over there. <laughs> Well, Jules, thanks for joining us on, on the Club in Focus podcast. Hopefully we do get some footy this year and we can see you gracing the field in the forward line uh, throughout 2020 in A-grade wearing that centenary jumper for Caulfield, mate. Thanks for joining us. No problems. Thanks a lot for having me. Nick, we've spent a bit of time talking about the Caulfield men's side of things and talking about their 2019 premiership that saw them come up to William Buck Premier. Well, on the women's side of things in 2019... They had the ultimate success themselves in uh, Premier B, beating Old Zavs 2-2-14 to 0-0-0. One member who was a star of the Caulfield side in 2019 was Irina Maliaris, and she joins us on the Club in Focus podcast. Hello, Irina. Hey, how's it going? 
Going very well. Have you had a bit of time in the last few months to reflect on the achievements of your premiership side of last year? Yeah, we have a um, pretty special day getting over the line that day and in the lead up to that day. So, um, yeah, we still have fond memories of last year, but also looking forward to this season and um, setting new goals to achieve. So take us through the grand final of last year. I think you went into half time on the two goals and Zabs was scoreless, which meant you had to hang yeah. on for a half of footy, hoping that you, they weren't going to score and you were going to hold on for the victory. Was it like that throughout the second half of the game? Yeah, it was. We were holding on, but we did have the momentum as well. So we probably potentially could have scored a few extra goals, but just conditions on the day were pretty dreadful. So it um, wasn't a great day for scoring, but... Um, on the day we did still on top and uh, we're lucky to hold on as well. I've never won a grand final, so I I can't imagine what it would feel like. But to also be the best player in my team in a grand final year would be quite an achievement. Have you ever achieved the best and fairest in a premiership year in any form of any sport? Uh, no, I haven't actually. Um, I've been I've played a few uh, soccer premierships that haven't won the best and fairest. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty special to be a part of the premiership and also um, be recognised as uh, having a good year. So, uh, But in saying that, we had an awesome team and um, couldn't have done it without every teammate, um, both the seniors and reserves. You're far too modest, Irina, because you finished runner-up <laughs> in the competition best of Ferris as well last year, if you don't mind. When you came down to the footy club for last year's pre-season, do you have individual yep. goals in mind or do you just want to play every Saturday and see how you go? Uh, I don't really set myself any any goals with disposals or goals, but I just, um, just want to play and get the win pretty much. So whatever I can do to um, get the team over the line, that's... Um, bringing other teammates into it or, I guess, lifting the intensity myself and um, doing things where I can. But, um, no, I didn't set myself anything from the start of the year. Now, clearly, Joey, Irina hasn't been listening to us that much because modesty does not fly on this <laughs> podcast. I will give you the hot tip. Irina, I just <laughs> want to ask about your introduction to footy because you're an elite junior soccer player. You've come to Caulfield Grammarians in 2017 and, You've not just dominated, but you played big V football. You won a couple of awards on that day for best on ground. I suppose, why did you end up making that transition from a soccer player, a junior soccer player, into footy? Well, I had a year off before I started playing footy uh, with soccer. And so I just wanted a bit of a break and um, focus on uni. And then uh, I found out my old high school was making a women's footy team. I thought it would be great to keep in touch with some old um, corporate grammarians and also keep fit at the same time. And um, I'm a massive footy fan. I've always really uh, played just kick, to, kick in the backyard when I was younger and watched um, footy on TV. So I thought, why not? I've always wanted to play. So, um, yeah, it was just a great opportunity once the uh, the Vasa introduced uh, the women's uh, league. So, yeah, I couldn't really resist and just um, been focusing on, I guess, playing with um, some great bunch of girls and I've just all been improving um, ever since that uh, first season. 
Now, Joey, I must tell you that yes. on these big V days, right, um, you know, in a big V game, it's usually the awards are usually spread around. Like the umpire gives the best on ground, the opposition gives the best on ground, and the Vafra will give the opposition player their best player as well. But um, probably the first time ever or def- definitely in uh, the most recent history that someone has won two awards on the same day, that being the umpire's award and one of the team awards, the VAFA Best Player Award. So Irina was absolutely dominant in that first ever Big V win in Ballarat against AFL Goldfields. Irina, I just want to ask you about how the girls are going during the, during the current situation with COVID-19. We've spoken to the boys yep. and everything, and we, we see clubs on social media having, holding their Zoom meetings and having kicks to kick <laughs> with each other sort of thing. How are the girls holding up um, as they look to play William Buck Premier either this year, if we get some footy, or in 2021? Uh, yeah, they're going pretty well. Um, we've got the WhatsApp group going, so everyone um, updates us with what they've been doing. Uh, we've also got a, a few PTs in the team, so they've been doing online sessions for us weekly. Uh, we've been lucky enough to go um, back to training uh, with reduced size of groups as well, so that's been um, really exciting to get back out there, but um, everyone's got a positive attitude. And we also um, did a bit of a fun video with uh, the team. So um, we all pretty much filmed a bit of a, a footy um, uh, video and just passed it to the next player and put it all together. So it was pretty good to, to watch at the end of it. Well, Irina, hopefully you're out on the track in full contact training very, very soon and, and you're out there on Saturdays trying to go back-to-back with the Caulfield girls and for yourself, uh, maybe win a second best and fairest in a row. Uh, you, Nick tells me you've got a bit of polishing to do this afternoon with all those medals that you've got at home. Thanks for joining us on the Club <laughs> no, in Focus not. podcast. <laughs> no Enjoy worries. your day. No worries. Thanks for, that. Thanks for having me. Well, Nico, how about that from Irina Maliaris, 2019 Best and Ferris, runner-up in the comp, premiership player. You've said she's won a couple of Big V awards in her debut Big V game, let alone having the Big V jumper, which is an honour in itself. I asked you during that chat there. I've never won anything like that. It's, I'm jealous, so jealous of all these people we speak to who have achieved all these great things. Well, that's why we're here and we're the ones interviewing them, <laughs> Joseph. But I must tell you, just thinking, I was thinking then um, during that interview, I was dating back to under-14s, Mafra Blacks, and Armistead. He got a runner-up best and fairest in a premiership year. Oh. So that's as, close, that's as close as he's ever got. When we, when comp- <laughs> You are boring <laughs> people with this stuff. That is ridiculous. Under-14 runner-up best and fairest. That's a participation a award. Jesus, Nico. <laughs> that is not even real. You might as well just come clean and say you've won nothing. Just like me, you've won nothing. Is that fair? Absolutely nothing. Not absolutely nothing. And that's why it's fantastic to talk to someone like Irena. And we didn't get to it during that interview. But she was also part of last year's Big V team who played against AFL Goldfields at Alston Week and had that record 100 and 151 to zero. What a game yeah, that was. It seems like any big game Irena plays and the opposition doesn't score. Um, Beaten Zavs held scoreless 2 2 14 to 151 to zero that game last year. Now, I asked you flippantly about the medals and all that, and we just heard from Irina, because last year in Caulfield's 
men's side in 2019, a former AFL number one draft pick in Brendan Goddard, who played 334 games for St Kilda. And the Bombers, of course, took one of the greatest marks of all time on an AFL grand final day, has never won a grand final at any level until 12 months ago. And he joined us, Nico, on the For the Love of the Game podcast with Brian Waldron, you and I, to recap that uh, fantastic day. And here is Brendan Goddard talking about his day last year where the Caulfield men claimed the big win over Old Scotch. So am I right? Is that your first? First senior flag? Senior premiership, correct, yes. So take us through it in in relation to... um, the decision to play again, and, and I know Blakey did likewise come back and played at Uni Blacks. Was it about wanting to play back with blokes you went to school with, or was it about winning a flag, or what was the reason why he came back? Oh, probably neither of those, to be honest. My close mates that uh, I went to school with and are um, still very good mates with actually had all kind of retired in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So the plan was somewhat to, uh, you know, a few years back, if I, you know, when I did retire, that I potentially play with a bunch of mates, and mainly um, Andrew McWalter, who, who we, uh, at Caulfield, uh, most of us know through the AFL system, so mm. it was talked about briefly with that, but uh, when the decision came down to it, it was, it was more about just wanting to play because I can, so um, I was really unsure what I wanted to do in terms of football, um, in terms of playing, but then I sat back, mainly in the new year, it was a pretty late decision, to be honest, um, mm. even though Caulfield and I had touch base pre-Christmas, but it was just more about sitting back and I thought, well, I'd rather do it now whilst I can because when I'm 40 and physically literally can't get out on the footy field, I'd rather do it now whilst I still can. And then the obvious connection was Caulfield. I didn't really um, talk to a, another mate of mine at another Vassar club, but um, just the connection with Caulfield and being a past student uh, and then having the people, a few of the people around that I knew at the footy club, not directly playing, but... Uh, was a comfortable decision. So, um, and, and more thinking about it from a pure footy point of view. Obviously, not playing in the AFL system anymore, but then playing in the AFL system for 16 years and the seriousness of it, and the, I guess the stress and the anxiety that it does bring on. Um, that going back to Vaffa and playing practically footy for the love of it, country kind of footy club feel with volunteers and all that kind of thing was was the most most appealing thing. So. Um, I've, I've said it since since I won a premiership, but um, you know I, don't, I didn't have a deep affinity with the club because I've only been there literally like eight months. But to go back to a club with volunteers and then see it succeed, and the people, you know, players obviously, but then the people around, like I was most happy for, um, and and the president I know personally on a personal level too before we even got into the club. So um, yeah, not, nothing to do with premierships and uh, all that kind of thing. So it was more just about the love of the game and wanted to play footy because I can in turn indirectly I give back to the game in a sense but it was more of a, a more of a thing just to get back and play footy for the love of it. PJ anyone we've spoken to across the year about your involvement at Caulfield have just harped on the mentoring that you've done particularly for the younger players so going back to Saturday it must have made you really proud to see the way that Lockie Stevens and Jack Webster played on the big stage. Yeah um, and that, that was one of the, the kind of things that I enjoy the development side of the game. If I think I did get back into football and coaching level, AFL or get back in the AFL bubble would be more in that development phase because I enjoy developing kids. I love seeing them develop. You know, I didn't work with anyone indirectly, but just, you know, I spoke at training when I felt I needed to and passed on a bit of knowledge and 
and even the lead up into the finals and grand final, pass on a bit of knowledge and of my experience in big games and finals. And I think you you guys would know, and a few of the listeners, that the history of uh, Caulfield and their failed attempts in grand finals and going out in straight sets on a number of occasions. So, yeah, passed on a bit of knowledge. So, you know, I wasn't working with anyone indirectly, but getting to the club and seeing the youth there was, it was, you know, I didn't, I didn't know walking into the club or before I committed that I'd be the, the oldest by <laughs> four years. So to walk in and see just a bunch of young blokes and they were eager to learn and get better and had been together for, you know, three or four years, a lot of them, the 20, you know, 22, 23, 24. And then you add uh, a couple of other guys, which I knew nothing about, which in two you just mentioned, and I'll get to that question, but in Lockie Stevens and, um, and, and Webby. So, and to see them throughout the year, you, in particular, Lockie Stevens, and you see a guy that play at that level, and, and although it's Bassa B grade, but his game can translate into a higher level, and I'm talking more BFL, you know, potentially AFL because of his attributes, speed, power, great decision maker, clean, good kick, great above his head for his size. So all the attributes he does have, it's like, no, well, if you were if you were keen on it, you, your, your game could actually translate to a very high level of football. Well, Nick, I'm very excited to have a chat to our next guest. He's the current president of the Caulfield Grammarians Footy Club. His name is Peter Small. Uh, Peter, just before uh, we get stuck into your own history and your own career and time with Caulfield, I read on the club website uh, two mantras that you wanted to bring back into footy. And number one is that you want to bring the fun back into footy. And number two is you want to create broader engagement within and across the Caulfield community. And can I just say, uh, we're about to chat to Tommy Flanagan a bit later on, what you've done in the last 12 months with the media, your Match of the Day broadcast, the podcast, it's all going well. And it seems like from the outside looking in, you're ticking both of those boxes. Uh, yeah, I'd like to think so, guys. Um, when I came into the role as president, and I'm now in my fifth year, to be fair, and not blaming anybody or anything like that, but uh, the, the guys playing at the time really seemed to be struggling with the whole concept of playing for the footy club and they weren't quite sure what it meant, in my view. So what we tried to do was just really take a bit of pressure off the group and say, hey, listen, guys, you're here we don't pay people. That's clearly not what the amateur ethos is about, and I'm really supportive of that as a concept. What other reason are you going to be down here other than enjoying your time with your mates and having a bit of fun? So we, we really made an effort to enhance and increase the social activity and the social connectivity amongst the group. Uh, we ultimately brought in our women's teams as well, which certainly helps on those social occasions. It kind of got the groundswell of the leaders backing that and supporting that. And then with that, everybody who kind of came into the club out of the school kind of bought into the um, same program. And the other kind of plank to it around our broader community, not only was it about just going out and telling our supporters, you know, what we were doing and et cetera, uh, and, and ultimately, fortunately, the, the results started to, um, to help us with that. You know, it's nothing like a good story with a win, but we made a really strong conscious effort to reconnect back to the school because we'd lost a bit of contact with them and I think the school lost a bit of faith with what we were doing. We really made a strong effort um, in discussions with actually Martin, the principal down at Caulfield, who's, who's a, a sensational person um, and uh, he's been very supportive of what we're doing, plus all the coaches under Ant Phillips um, have been, been great and uh, I think that's shown with our kind of rise with our under-19 program and how many of those under-19s have come out to play in the seniors and, and to be fair, how many of them are now out playing the VFL and AFL clubs. You know, we're very proud of what those guys do so um, 
Yeah, all in all, mate, I think we, I, I give us two ticks on that one. Peter, I mentioned at the top of the podcast that one thing I was interested in, in looking back at, you won the 2011 B-grade grand final and then you come up to A-grade and have the year from hell where you went through the season winless. When you came into the role as president, did you still have a few of the, the aftermath of that season still floating around the club and maybe felt a little bit dreary that you had to turn these emotions of negativity around? Uh, look, I'm not sure that too much of that was still there. Uh, what what had happened, um, and I think we worked it out from the for a period of four years. So it was like 72 games. We'd won 14, I think it was. So we were we were batting very low. Um, guys hadn't had success. They had a unfortunately it wasn't that a negative or a losing culture being developed. It, it just it is what it was, so to speak. So. Um, we really needed to change it around. And I remember after about two or three games and we started winning a few, I, I said to a few guys, hey, I think this is the first time since you've been playing you probably had a chance to even sing the theme song. And they said, yeah, well, we've been playing here for you know, a while and, and, it, and it took time to actually develop that winning culture. There's a direct parallel between that and the playing group and the way they kind of got together and the coaching panel that we got together. You know, we were extraordinarily lucky to... Um, to grab Simon Williams, uh, you know he's a Brighton legend, and to get him over to help coach us and, and develop the players in the way he has, together with you know in the early days Stuart Whitney and then more recently Marcel Bruin, that, that they've been very much um, part of that uh, development. And I, I've always said to people in the club, it's not one person who makes a really good footy club; it's a lot of people, and everybody does a lot of heavy lifting at amateur clubs. It's just that's the way it is. Um, but uh, we've been quite uh, quite blessed in a sense by having those uh, guys at the helm. Ed, I just want to ask you about your own career. And from what we're told, there was a few games for Caulfield potentially in the clubbies, but you were more of a basketballer growing up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, football wasn't my uh, forte. Um, I, I think my last real sense of playing was in year seven at Caulfield. So, uh, and after that, I, I kind of flicked over to the basketball program and really enjoyed that. And, uh, yeah, had about four or five games in the club. He's in the kind of 20s, I suppose. Uh, and that was that was about the extent of that. Um, and we got back into Corporate Grammarians through my two boys. James was captain of the 19s, I think, and Tom was captain of the seniors at the time when I kind of came in and uh, started running with all that. My wife had been on the committee and, you know, one thing led to another. All of a sudden, I, I found myself um, ha- having a chat to Warwick and, and saying, look, you know, if you want to have a handover, I'm happy to take it over. So we kind of did that. And, um, yeah, five years later, we're, uh, we're up in Premier and couldn't be happier, really. Um, so I suppose what I tried to bring to the role was not football smarts and stuff like that. You know, that's what Simon and, and, and our kind of club legend, Scotty Williams and those guys, that's what they bring. And I don't interfere with them. They know what they're doing. And uh, it's important for me to let them do their job. And uh, I've tried to kind of turn it around and run it more like a bit of a business uh, in terms of understanding the financials and other bits and pieces. So, um, yeah, it's kind of worked off there. We've had a lot of stability and consistency. Um, and I think the playing group, uh, have uh, have enjoyed that, and uh, they know what they get. They know when they turn up the training, what the support is they're getting through the trainers and the physios and the coaches, etc. We've spoken to Julian Debosch, I guess, from a player's perspective about 2019 and that 92-point win in the grand final. From an off-field perspective, from all the work that you say yourself and obviously everyone else to do with the club has put in, how important and how special was last year's win and getting up to William Buck Premier in your hundredth year? From a club perspective. 
getting into the grand final and therefore getting promotion is probably the key thing. Um, topping it off with a flag is just a great reward for all of those people who've been involved in it over over a period of time. You know, it was it was a premiership that was in reality four years in the making. Um, we knew when we started last year we had a good unit. Um, we, we'd come close with Blacks the year before in the in the first semi, but really got kind of decimated by some fairly bad injuries. But we knew kind of psychologically we'd be, we'd be there or thereabouts. Uh, and we picked up a couple of players as well, which, which just kind of helped strengthen us a bit. So it was a, it's a great reward for the playing group um, and, and certainly the coaching group. For the off-field, for the general support, it's just, it's just a nice thing to occasionally have success and you can celebrate that. And the night we, we came back to Glen Hartley after the, um, after the win and, uh, you know, we had our... Um, our women's team who also won the flag and our, our C grade, or I say our thirds team who won. To have three teams in there was uh, yeah, pretty special. And so this year, as I said, you've gone back in the William Buck Premier, but clearly with everything that's gone on in terms of COVID-19, things haven't really gone to plan. What can you tell us about how the club's celebrating the 100th year now, given the current circumstances? Yeah, look, at this stage, we will be, uh, in effect, um, just transferring all the celebrations from 2020 through to 2021. We've just got no guarantee we're going to be able to have any functions, so we've, we've postponed everything really till next year. Assuming and hopefully we get a, uh, a playing season up and running, uh, we have had special centenary jumpers made, so we will wear them for whatever games we get this year, but we will also wear them again in 2021 as a, an ongoing part of the celebration. So, look, it's been... It's been disappointing, but hey, look, you know, it's nothing that we've done. There's nothing you can do to control it. Um, you've just got to move and modify with the times. We've, we've maintained all our bookings with the various organisations to do what we need to do for our um, centenary next year. Uh, the, the broader community understands that. We're all going through this together, so uh, there's no real drama. A bit disappointing, but uh, look, there are bigger things at play at the moment than uh, worrying about those aspects. And Pete, I do need to ask you, last one from me, how good does the Caulfield Centenary beer taste? Uh, well, if you've seen my little Instagram post, you'll know it yeah. tastes very, very nice. That's a little story. There's, um, uh, in, in my normal life, I'm a, um, a property consultant and uh, one of my clients uh, actually owns quite a lot of bars and, and hotels and stuff and he got into... Uh, a microbrewery, which is a company called Urban Alley, and uh, and Dean Grant who came to us and said, "Hey, listen, um, with your centenary, do you want to do a centenary beer?" And I went, "Oh, yeah. How can we do that? That's going to cost a fortune." He said, "No, don't worry about that. We'll look after you." Uh, crafted it out, actually came up with a slightly modified version of his lager for us, and uh, yeah, it's a ripper, and it's been selling well, um, and uh, it's been uh, it's just been a nice little kind of marketing thing to do and something to bring the, the community together around around Caulfield um, while we've been in isolation. So uh, everybody who enjoys a, a tipple has been um, certainly sampling that one. I've got uh, I've got a half of us just sitting in the boot at the moment ready for a bit of a drink this evening. So uh, no, it's excellent, excellent stuff. Uh, good stuff, Pete. I'm sure everyone is hanging out for, for restrictions to be lifted for footy to be back so that on a Thursday night they can crack them open then hopefully on a Saturday afternoon after a big Caulfield win down at uh, Glen Huntley Oval. Thanks for joining us, Pete, and, and good luck for what's lays in store in 2020. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the, um, the interest in the footy club and uh, always happy to help out the Vapa. And the siren sounds, and the fields are in the grand final for 2019.
They win the second semi-final against Old Scott. 10 goals, 7, 67 to Scott. 10, 6, 66. Of the William Buck Premier B Grand Final. And there it is! And it's the field! The Caulfield Gamera's Footy Club have produced a masterpiece on the biggest stage. And your William Buck Premier B champions for season 2019 are the mighty fielders. It's a field day. Final scores, 17 goals, 22, 124 the fielders, 92 points to the good of Old Scotch, 4-8-32. It doesn't get better than that if you're a field fan. This is the Club in Focus podcast, Nico. Today we are taking a look at the Caulfield Grammarians Footy Club. Been around since 1920, made a lot of advancements in the last 100 years. And one man from the media side of things who's been at the forefront of that in the last couple of years is Tommy Flanagan. I may well have mistaken him from the coach as the coach of uh, the Caulfield Grammarians last year in the finals, but he joins us now. Hello, Tommy. Hey, Nick. G'day, Joey. Great to be on the podcast. Thanks for joining us, mate, and uh, putting your club in focus with us today. We've had a lot of fun talking about the Caulfield Grammarians. For yourself, Tommy, let's talk about you quickly, your journey. How did it start? How did you get down there? And how did you get involved? Being interested in footy media and uh, commentary and and, uh, editing footy videos and and, and just general footy media stuff when when I was a little kid, probably uh, nine or ten years old, I started getting involved in that. Called my first game of footy when I was 13. Uh, then called Caulfield's uh, APS Premiership in 2007, the full season of that with uh, Cal Toomey from AFL.com. And that was sort of the start of uh, me getting into footy. Then I went to the Northern Footy League for, for seven years and uh, fine-tuned my craft a little bit. And now I've come back to uh, Caulfield Grammarians where it all sort of started for me and come back to the community that I, I grew up with and uh, doing a bit more biased commentary than, than I did at the uh, at the Northern Footy League or I do on RSN uh, with you guys for the Vapor match today. But um, yeah, it's, it's great fun being back at Caulfield and uh, doing all the media stuff there that we do on the social media and, and uh, the uh, floating planner segment we do on the live Instagram, all, all of that sort of stuff is great fun. Now we mentioned, or you did just then, the, uh, the match of the day broadcast for the Caulfield Games. For people who are uh, new to the club or were hoping to be part of it in 2020, once games come back, that is going to be available for Caulfield fans to tune in and listen still? Yes, yes. We'll have the uh, MixLR uh, app and uh, mixlr.com.au slash cgfc1920. Uh, so you can go to either of those if you're on a browser. It's the URL. If you've got an iPhone or Android, you can download the MixLR app and then type cgfc1920 in on game day. And you'll be able to hear us live at any Caulfield uh, senior game. Sometimes we do the men's game, sometimes we do the women's game. So uh, tune in and if you're interested, uh, have a listen. And what about the last month, Tommy? Uh, your podcast, if you don't mind, Brendan Goddard, that's a pretty big name. Dylan Shield isn't bad either, plays for the Bombers at the moment. But uh, two-time Brownlow medalist, Chris Judd, premiership player, superstar, ended up on your podcast a couple of weeks ago. What's going on there? Yeah, that, that's one of the absolute thrills of my life, having uh, a champion of the AFL, an absolute legend of the game, on uh, a humble little local footy podcast that CGFC official podcast, which I've been doing with Charlie Logan and Seb Gott for the past couple of months uh, while we've been in isolation. It's, it's been fantastic to have guests like Chris and Brendan and, and Bill uh, giving up their time while they've been in isolation. Um, uh, yeah, and they seem to have really enjoyed it, um, being able to give back to the corporate community and without having to you know go, go anywhere. Just, uh, they do it in in their own house and on a Zoom call. And, um, yeah, they've all been really giving of their time and their insight and 
um, it's yeah, it's wonderful that the Corfield Network allows us to speak to people like that on our podcast. When we started it, we thought it would just be us interviewing the presidents and the coaches and the and, and the players. But uh, once Brendan agreed to do it, we sort of uh, set our sights for, <laughs> for the stars and, and thought we uh, we could get a few big names on the show, and we have. Flanners, I just want to ask you, last year was a pretty successful year for yourself and the club in a lot of ways, but from an individual perspective, you've become the second ever Ken Petruco Media Personality of the Year in the VAFA. Can you take us through that? Um, and I, I suppose... Hang on, who was the first? Up, who was the first? Coming after the first one, which was a, perhaps a biased decision, but went to the one exotic Joe, <laughs> Pignataro. It was an absolute honour to follow Joey and an honour as well to uh, win the Ken Petruco uh, Bapper Media Personality of the Year Award. Just, uh, I was stunned on the day that um, I've been able to receive that. For you know, I've only been back at the in the Victorian Amateur Football Association for for a year, and to straight off the bat, one year in, uh, win the highest media honour um, was, was I was really chuffed. And yeah, I still yeah, I've got that sitting up on my mantle at home, and um, yeah, look at it regularly, and, and uh, yeah, pretty proud of it. On last year that Nick mentioned, you you're part of the call team on Grand Final Day, a very dominant display by your boys. It must be said, it was uh, just as a fan, firstly to watch your boys do what they did on that day, but then from a personal perspective, having the opportunity to call your team on the biggest day, it must have given you a great thrill. Yeah, it was incredible. That was uh, I said it at our um, end of season function. That was the most enjoyable game of footy I've ever called. Wonderful experience to be part of that. I mean, I hadn't been part of the build in the previous years um, with the club to, to get to the point where they could play in a grand final and get, get back into A grade. But, you know, having shared the, you know, all the stories of, of the, the build with the guys around the club in the past year and knowing what they'd been through in the previous few years to, to get to that point and to just sort of walk in at the last minute and be part of the, the you know, the best year in the club's history. Um, it was a pretty amazing experience to be, a, be able to be the one who, who got to call that game um, and, and just, be, just be part of the year. It, it was amazing. Talking about the club's history, obviously, it's a centenary year, 100 years since 1920, you guys were first established and you've done a few things. Obviously, it hasn't gone to plan with what's happened with the coronavirus, but you've done a few things, I suppose, to celebrate, one of them being the centenary beers and a few other things you got going. Can you just take us through what you guys have planned and what you guys are selling from a merch perspective as well? We're, we're promoting our centenary lager, the uh, CDFC centenary lager. You can get the uh, CDFC branded beers and stubby holders uh, on the website. Kate McClellan does a magnificent job uh, at our club uh, doing all the merchandise. We've got caps and beanies and scarves and training tops and shorts and jackets and uh, all that sort of stuff as well. So if you check in, in on the Caulfield Club website, you can go to our uh, the shops tab and you can uh, have a look at all, all the merch that you you might want to purchase if you're a CGFC supporter or if you just want to get some CGFC gear or CGFC beers, uh, just check into the website. Tommy, over the off-season, uh, we did notice that you did a bit of recruiting uh, and maybe at the time of pre-season rolling around, we weren't sure whether old mate Brendan Goddard was going to go around again. Uh, Rennie Gilchrist was one name who was promoted heavily as joining the club. How are all the recruits going and, and the current players that have been there for so long during this period? Mate, they're, they're terrific. The guys that we've brought in have all um, brought in straight away and they've all been... You know, around around the group at every training session, they've come to all the functions that we had prior to COVID starting, and uh, they've been really engaged in the, the Zoom calls that we've had uh, during this this period, and and they're all back at training um, in in the small groups that we've got going at the moment. Dane Crognail has been terrific from the start. Uh, he's from Swan District, 
Swan Athletic, first footy league superstar. Uh, Mitch Woods from the Noosa Tigers, he's a premiership player up there and a Betsy Ferris winner. Uh, Tom Silvestro, Coburg BFL, he played Richmond BFL uh, last year. He's, he's a former CGFC Betsy Ferris winner in 2014. John O'Rourke, former Hawthorne and GWS Giants player. He's just been unbelievable around the group, but another um, great voice to have around the playing group. And Rennie Gilchrist, as he touched on, two-time Baldwin, best and third, winner, four-time premiership captain over there and named as the skipper in many recent ESL team of the decade. He's just a local footy legend, so having him back in the nest has uh, just been outstanding as well. And he's, he's, his voice around the group is terrific. And it sounds like the men are absolutely flying despite the circumstances. What can you tell us about the women and how they're shaping up and handling the current crisis at the moment, Flanners? The progress in, in women's footy at Caulfield has just been amazing in the last couple of years. A lot of that can be credited to, to Neil Slynham, uh, Robert Griggs, who, who do a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Um, Mitch Dupiannon, who's a uh, young coach. He's in his second year as the uh, coach of CDSCW. He's, he's keen to learn and improve, and, uh, and not just the, the players, but himself. He listens and engages with all the players and tries to get their ideas. We've now got some really elite training programs that he's been able to uh, get our women to do and he's been uh, mentored as well by former CGS student and uh, reigning Collingwood BFLW Premiership coach Penny Cooler-Reed um, so he, he's really uh, actively involved in, in the development of the women's footy so Mitch is great um, and the school's still the lifeblood of our, our women's footy program, we've got a lot of uh, CGS girls coming across uh, this year from the school school leavers, um, we're at Caulfield of course for the inaugural Premiership winners in the women's ACS first competition last year so so that's great for us and as well we welcome girls who didn't attend Caulfield there's plenty of um, great players in, in our setup that weren't Caulfield students as well uh, Chelsea Fisher and Tony Hamilton our captain and vice captain they, they, they weren't Caulfield uh, students but they're terrific terrific people to have around the group um, and yeah we've got a star-studded team they're, they're really great team to watch our, our first women's team. Tommy, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you and, and we congratulate you on the work you've done with your, with the podcast for the Caulfield fans and, of course, your work in the media in the last 12 months. Ken Petruco Award is uh, a great achievement for all your hard work, mate. Uh, thanks for joining us on the Club in Focus podcast. Hopefully, uh, who's your next guest? Who's your next guest on the Caulfield podcast? Uh, I'll, I'll leave it to a surprise, uh, but it's a, a BFLW player. VFLW, I'm going to give you the challenge. One point, you've got to get Johnny Schultz on. Yeah, we'll be doing that. On you, Tommy. Thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks, Nick. Cheers, Joey. Bumper edition, Nico, of the Club in Focus podcast today. All thanks to Mequacare, a proud partner of the Ammo, has been around since 1959. And you know what they are, Nico? They are a not-for-profit organisation. Don't you worry about that. Tommy Flanagan just joined us. We've also heard from Jeff Riley, Irina Maliaris, Peter Small, George Voyage and uh, plenty of others on the Caulfield Club in Focus podcast. Fascinating. Did you learn what you had to learn out of this series, out of this edition? Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was interesting to hear particularly from Jeff how um, when he first got down to the club, it was a pretty ordinary year in 97 and they sort of turned it around in a lot of ways from 98 with the E-section flag onwards and now – after another 22 years, they're back into A grade, into William Buck Premier in their centenary year. That's romantic in a lot of ways. It's what, 
what dreams are made of, Joey. So hopefully it would be brewing if we could get some footy this year and these guys can celebrate their centenary year in style. They can celebrate it with their own brew. That's what I learned out of this. Uh, Tommy Flanagan talked about it. But Peter Small, I mean, to have a connection that can brew your own beers and then <laughs> give it into nice little fresh can to go with that brand, fantastic new logo that the Caulfield Footy Clubs have. It is, as you said, Nico, the stuff of dreams. Just before we wrap up, there is something that the club are very proud of that we have to mention. We asked Jeff about Johnny Wilson at the very start, who across 11 years took them to six grand finals. He also coached them to what was their record score, 32-16-208 against Melbourne High in 1971. They bettered that by one goal in 1979, the same year that they named the Toodle Pavilion on top of the Albert Park change rooms. 34-10-214 against Trinity. Now, if we get football back... That's their challenge this year, Nico, to kick a bigger <laughs> score than 34-10-214 in 2020. Do you think, as we let you go, they will achieve that feat? Oh, they've come a, a long way, Joey. Don't get me wrong. But um, it's a pretty tough competition, that William Buck Premier. Um, I, what I do know, what I do know is that we would most definitely be covering that and reminding everyone of that when they come up against Old Trinity because that'll be a challenge. Certainly will be. Nico, thank you for your time. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you. And thank you to all our guests on the Club in Focus podcast. We look forward to bringing you another edition very shortly. If you hear this and think, hey, I want my club in focus, then reach out to Nick Armistead through the VAFA website, vaffa.com.au, or you can follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at VAFA HQ. It's as simple as that, and we will do it all again very soon. Yeah.